You are listening to the Discovery City Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about us, including our location and service times, please visit us at discoverycitychurch.com. We hope this sermon will encourage and build your faith as you pursue God, community, and influence within your world. Now, the message from our lead pastor, Caleb York. You know, usually around this time of year, we get a great Christmas story or a great Christmas message. And you may not get that this morning, all right? Just get prepared for that. We get a great Christmas story, a great Christmas message. And like I said earlier, we usually hear a story about uh, the perspective or the viewpoint of Mary or Joseph. We hear the viewpoint of the angels or the shepherds. But this morning, I want to give the viewpoint of King Herod. I want to give the viewpoint of King Herod, the one who is known as the bad guy of the story. He's commonly known as the bad guy. But this morning, I want you to understand this. To God, King Herod was not the bad guy of the story. King Herod was not the bad guy. In fact, if you look at King Herod's history, his history shows that he actually grew up in a religious community. He, go, he went to church. He was a very religious person. But in spite of God pursuing him, he rejects Jesus and he split hell wide open and that's where he is today. This morning, some of you might say, well, this doesn't sound like a very holly jolly message, Caleb. Where's all the joy and the, and the brightness and the cheeriness? We need a cheery, bright Christmas message this morning. I'm sorry, I don't have that for you this morning. Because this morning, I don't want any person in this room to miss out on Jesus the way King Herod did. I don't want anyone here today to miss out on Jesus the way King Herod did. And so this morning, go and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, we've got it up on the screen. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. This morning, I want every person in the room to answer three questions. Three questions this morning. And if you would, go and open your service guides. On the inside flap, you'll see our notes. We, I would challenge you to take notes with us this morning. I don't know what church you've been to in the past, but here we don't like to just drone out and look off into the clouds and, just, and then leave and go, man, that was a great message. I didn't hear a word he said, but that was awesome. We actually want you to be changed by God's word. So take notes with us this morning. The first thing we see this morning, the first question I want you to answer is, in reading it says this, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, of Judea. That right there, that's why we're here this morning. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. If you're a parent here in this room, you understand how exciting it is when there's a new baby born, right? You understand the excitement, the joy that comes behind that and comes with that child. Now, if you don't have children here in this room today, if you're not a parent, I'm sorry. You just don't understand. You don't understand the joy that comes with having your own child. And some of you are like, I really don't understand. Because I see other people's kids and I'm like, yikes. It makes you reconsider having kids yourself. But it brings a joy that you can only understand as a parent. You know what? We're celebrating the birth of Christ. But God was really pumped with his son coming to this earth and, be, and being born. He was excited beyond belief. If we keep reading, it says this, and in the days of Herod, 
the king. We see right here, Herod is the ruler of this region. He's, in, he's the ruler of this entire region right here where Jesus is born. Now to give you some background on Herod, some things we need to understand is this. Herod became the ruler of that region at the age of 25 when his father, who was the ruler before him, was killed. He becomes the ruler of that region. And what's taking place in that region at that time is there's a rebellion taking place. A rebellion's going on in that region, and we see that during that rebellion, Herod actually has to leave the region that he's ruling. He has to leave Jerusalem, and he actually goes to Rome. And we see while he's at Rome, he actually sits in on a Roman, on a Roman senate. And that's where he stays for years while this rebellion is taking place in the region where really he should be at ruling at the time. And one thing that I found super interesting about, about King Herod was this. While he was sitting in on this Roman Senate, they had a name for King Herod. You want to know what that name was? He was commonly referred to as the King of the Jews. He was referred to as the King of the Jews. And so one day the Romans come to Herod, the king of the Jews, and they say, Herod, it's time for you to go back. You've been here long enough. It's time for you to go back and snuff out this rebellion. It's time for you to go back and take charge of your region. And not only that, we're going to send an army with you. Go back and take over your region again. And that's exactly what happens. Herod goes back, he has the army, he has one of the armies of Rome with him, and he takes back the region, and Herod is the ruler up to this point where Jesus comes. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because the truth is, Herod, from other people's perspective, he was the man. Herod, from other people's perspective, he had it going on. He, he, uh, he was successful. He was a ruler, not only that, but guess what? He had the power of the Roman Empire behind him. Not only was he powerful, but guess what? He was also, he was also a good ruler. He was organized. He was actually in charge of many of the, the historical sites that were built in his region. If you've heard of the Wailing Wall in Israel, he supervised the building of the Wailing Wall. He was, a, he was a man that had it going on. Everything was going great for him. On the outside, he looked great. He was religious. His father was actually converted to Judaism. He married a Jew himself. He was a religious person. On the outward, everything looked good. But on the inside, something was wrong. On the inside of Herod, something was wrong. Not only spiritually, but physically. We find out from historians that Herod is actually dying from a kidney disease during this time. Something's going on inside of him physically that's not right. And I can imagine many nights that he would lay in bed and know that something wasn't right inside of him. That inside of him, something physically was not right. The truth is, when you and I when we go through situations like that where we know something's not right physically in our body, have you ever been through a medical situation like that? It really, helped, it really causes you to realize that you are not in control. You are not in control of things. And it can cause you to turn to God. Maybe for some of you this morning, that's been your story. 
Maybe you or someone in your family has gone through a medical situation, a physical issue, and it caused you to turn to God. That's when your relationship with God started. That's when your story with God began. Because something happened physically and you decided, I'm turning to God. I'm not in control. This life is not about me. You understood that there was something greater in the world than just you. And so you turned to God. Can I tell you this? Herod didn't do that. Herod had this going on and he didn't turn to God. And some of you, that's your story today. Just like how Herod didn't turn to God, you know there's something wrong inside of you. And maybe somebody bugged you this morning to make sure you were here at church. They begged you to be here. And internally, on the inside, there's no peace. You have no hope. And the reason why is because you're not right with God today. No, when you're not right with God, you can do one of two things. You can pay attention to that feeling that's going on on the inside and do something about it. Or guess what? You can ignore it just like Herod did. And keep going on like things never changed. God pursues Herod physically. He pursues him through his physical illness. But not only that, he doesn't just stop there. We see actually later on in that verse, it says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Now to give you an understanding of what's going on here, to give you kind of a geographical lesson this morning, Herod lives in the religious capital city of Jerusalem. It's the, it's the, capital, it's the religious capital city of the world. And he lives there in Jerusalem. Bethlehem is where Jesus is going to be born. The distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem is six miles. It's six miles. It's not very far at all. It's actually extremely close. We see that God not only allows this physical issue to cause Herod to look to God, but he sends his son just six miles away. Six miles away from Herod, who's a religious man, who has read the scriptures. At the time, they had the Old Testament. He grew up in a religious community. He knew what the Bible said. The Bible talked about the Messiah coming and being born in Bethlehem. And he lives six miles away. And he still does nothing about it. He still does nothing about it. And it just tells me this morning that you can be a very religious person and still miss out on Jesus. You can come to church every single week. You can be at every single church event and still miss out on Jesus. Herod was a religious person and he still missed out on Jesus. What did Jesus say? Jesus said this as an adult. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. We can go to church. We can go through the motions. We can be religious. We can, we can read the scripture and memorize the scripture. But guess what? Without Jesus, it's pointless. Without Jesus, it doesn't matter. Paul said this later on. He said, there is one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus, the Lord. It's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we have a relationship with God. And though he was six miles away, Herod misses out on Jesus. If we continue reading in verse 1, 
says this, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, most historians believe right here that the wise men, they came from the Iraq-Iran area. And so it would have taken them two years to journey, to, to, to travel to Jerusalem where King Herod was at. They've been traveling for years, and not only that, they're being guided by a star. Now, I've heard so many people, they hear this story, and they, see, they, they hear about the star, and they say, well, obviously, that star is the North Star. They're following the North Star. I tell you this, do you know of any stars that give you pinpoint accuracy and directions to any place here on this earth? You could follow a star all day long. It'll never narrow you down to a specific location. We don't just have the North Star here. We have a supernatural star that was able to show them the directions to where Jesus was going to be born. What does it say? Not only is it a bright star, but it's a star that's moving. It's directing them. It's giving them directions. And we see it shown for two years. These wise men are following this star to where the Messiah is going to be born. And it brings them to Jerusalem first. For two years, that star shone. I tell you this, for two years, Herod could walk out on his balcony and see this star in the sky. He saw this supernatural star, a star that he couldn't explain, a star that no one could make sense of. Yet he was so consumed with himself, he was so focused on himself that he misses out on the obvious work that God has going on here. But God doesn't stop there. What happens? God sends him wise men. Now many believe these wise men that came these wise men that came to, to, to Herod first and then to Jesus. You know, so many of us, what do, what do we think? How many, how many wise men showed up? Many of us would say three. Three wise men showed up. You know, we actually don't know how many wise men showed up. We have no idea how many there were. Many assume there were three because there were three gifts that were brought to Jesus. And plus, years and years and years of watching flannel graph three wise men show up has taught us as children that there were three wise men. But many scholars and historians believe that it wasn't just three wise men. He believe, many believe that it was a whole caravan of wise men moving for these two years, following the star and looking for the Messiah. A whole caravan. Many believe that because if three men walked into Jerusalem, that would not catch the attention of the king. But if you brought a whole caravan in, that's something that, gets your, that catches your eye. That's something that you notice. These wise men show up to Jerusalem. It's a caravan of wise men, and they show up to King Herod, and they catch his attention. Some of you may be here, because God's trying to get your attention. Someone's trying to get your attention. You know, Herod, God sent, three wise, God sent wise men, more than three wise men, to King Herod. But guess what? He sent wise men and women to you in your life. Maybe some of you, if you're here today and you're Christians, you can think of those people in your life. Those people who were the wise men and women that God sent into your life so that you could know Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, God has placed wise men and women in your life, whether you know it or not. He has placed people in your life that are drawing you or directing you towards him. And maybe that's why you're here today. 
we look at verse 3, it says this, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. You want to know why he was troubled? Because he thought he was the king of the Jews. These wise men, they show up and they say, hey, where is the one born king of the Jews? And he's going, that's me. I'm the king of the Jews. That's who I am. What are you talking about? Who, where is he born? I'm right here. He finds out that he's not the most important person in the universe. And it bothers him. It begins to bother him. Guess what he does? He's so bothered that he winds up going to church. That's what he does. If we look at verse 4, says this. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. He gets all the preachers of that day and gathers them together. And he says, hey, tell me about this Savior. Tell me about this Messiah. Tell me who he is. Where is he going to be born? And what do they tell him? At the end of verse, uh, the end, uh, at verse 5, it says, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. They tell him where he's going to be. Not only that, they begin to read the Old Testament. They begin to read the Old Testament and have a Bible study. Verse, uh, the end of verse 5 and 6 says, For it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. They begin to have a Bible study. And they begin to read from the Bible at that time. And they know exactly where the Savior is going to be born. They know exactly what's going to happen. These men know what it says. But they get so focused on just knowing it. That they completely miss out on Jesus too. The preachers, the scribes, the, 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 the religious people of that day. They miss out on Jesus. And this speaks to us today right here. This speaks to us. You can love the Bible. You can love reading it. You can memorize it. But if you don't do what it says, it's not worth anything. What does Jesus say? He says, don't just be hearers of the word, deceiving yourself, but be doers of the word. Herod was a very religious person. The people he surrounded himself were very religious people. But they missed out on actually doing what God's word told them to do. The one that we think is the villain of the story, King Herod, is completely pursued by God. God pursues him every step of the way in the story. What do we see happen? Internally, he had issues that should have driven him to God, but yet he didn't. What else? Jesus, his own son, God's own son, was born six miles away. Does Herod go? No. A star is in the sky, not just any star, a supernatural star is in the sky for two years. Does that cause Herod to ask questions? No. He goes to church and he hears the story of where Jesus is going to be born and he still misses out on Jesus. And maybe that's the same thing, maybe the same thing is true for you today. You've heard the story before. You know all about Jesus. You know he's the reason for the season. You might even be a religious person. You can know all these things and still completely miss out on Jesus. Ask yourself this morning, am I missing what is right in front of me? 
Am I missing something that's so obvious? God is pursuing you. He's pursuing your life. He's trying to draw you to him. And you're missing it. Herod, he was missing out on Jesus. Secondly, in your notes, I see this. This question you need to ask yourself is this. Am I making it too hard? Am I making this too hard? Some of you, you're doing the same thing when it comes to salvation. You're making it way harder than it needs to be. When people make, it way, when people make salvation way harder than it should be, we do one of two things. Number one, many, so many delay salvation. That's what Herod does in this story. If we look at verse 7, it says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. He says, I know you guys are excited about this Messiah. I know you're excited about the Savior, but I've got some good things going on here. And you know what? I can't, I can't leave these good things. I got some good stuff I've got to take care of here. You guys go down and send me word when you find him, all right? You tell me, you tell me when you find the Messiah, but I've got some good things here that I can't let go of. I got some good things here that I, I, I can't just ignore. We've got some good stuff going on right now, and I can't leave. This is the story for many people today. This is the story for many people exactly like Herod. Maybe you said that follower of Jesus thing, you know, I, I'd like to do that. I would love to be a follower of his, but I'm afraid I'm going to lose a lot of the fun things I've got going on. I've got a lot of good things going on right now, and I don't know if I can let them go. So I'm really not interested in Jesus. I'm not interested in this whole Jesus thing and what it means. I, you know, I've, I've got a lot of good stuff going on. I want to tell you this morning that those good things will destroy you. Those good things will destroy you. When we allow good things to become, uh, good things become bad things when we make them God things in our lives. When we put them in the place of God in our life. This is what Herod did. He said, hey, I'll come later. I'll be there later. I'll show up later. Can I tell you this? In this day and age, this is the father that says, hey, you guys go on to church without me. I got some stuff I got to do here. You know what? I'll come some other day. This is the person that I've talked to so many times. They look me in the eye and they say, you know what? Your life, you seem to have everything together, but me, I'm a mess. And I've got to get some things cleaned up. I've got to get some things straightened out before I check out this whole Jesus thing. That's the lie that people tell themselves. But the truth is, this is not the way it should be. Jesus wants you to come the way that you are. And he's the one that straightens out your mess. It's not me. It's not anybody here this morning. It's not, it's not this group of people. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that straightens out the messes in our life. He wants you just the way you are. Too many people, they're delaying salvation. When Jesus says, I want you to come just as you are, just the way you are right now. The second thing I see that happens when people make salvation too hard is they get caught up in denial. 
Can I tell you this? If you delay salvation long enough, you'll begin to deny your need for Jesus at all. That's Herod's story. That's what happens with him. He says, you guys go and I'll come down there later. Look at verse nine. What does it say? After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest upon the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. What's the first thing they do when they meet Jesus? They fall down and they begin to worship him. They don't say, hey, Jesus, here's our list of expectations as our new king. This is what we want to see happen. No, they worship him. That's the first thing they do. They immediately worship him. They began to worship him because when you meet Jesus, it changes you. When you meet Jesus, it changes your life. And my question for you this morning, to every single person in this room, when did you meet Jesus and it changed you? When did you meet Jesus and he changed you? It's impossible for you to meet Jesus and not be changed. It's impossible. When was that time for you? When did you meet Jesus and he changed your life forever? If we keep reading verse 11. It says, Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. When they met Jesus, God changes the direction not only of their journey, but the direction of their life. He changes everything about them. And the reason why some of you are here today is because you have a friend or you have a family member that when they met Jesus, it changed their life. They were doing the things that they wanted to do. They were going the direction they wanted to go and they met Jesus and it changed them. And they want the same thing for you. That's why they invited you today. Because when you meet Jesus, he changes the direction of your life completely. When was that for you? Verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about a search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. Verse 15. And remaining there until the death of Herod, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. That right there is a quote at the very end. That's a quote from hundreds of years before Jesus even came to this earth. And we're going to see through the rest of the verses that there are some quotes throughout it. Why? Because God predicted that his son would come. And guess what? Jesus fulfills it. He fulfills everything that's said in the Old Testament. The Old Testament predicted what would happen. Jesus fulfilled it. We learned last, uh, last, this last series that we had, No Perfect People Allowed, that Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. He says that and as an adult, we see right here, even as a baby, he comes and he's fulfilling what is being said in the Old Testament. Not only that, we need to understand if Jesus is fulfilling what is said about him, 
The Bible talks about the end times. It talks about the end of this world. And it predicts what's going to happen. We need to understand that we are actually smack dab in the middle of that prediction and what's going to happen. We're sandwiched somewhere in between. I couldn't tell you, and I'm not one of those guys that tries to pretend like I know. I don't. But we're somewhere in between there. We need to quit acting like it's just fantasy or it's a myth. It's something that's real. Jesus came and he fulfills this. And he's going to fulfill what happens at the end of this world. All these things that have been predicted, what does it say? Out of Egypt, I've called my son. It's predicted and Jesus fulfills it. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then, verse 17, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. We see right here, Herod denies Christ. He denies Christ to the point that the sin that was inside of him came out. The sin that resided in him came out and it resulted in the death of countless children from the age of zero to two. Now, let me say this. This is not what I want you to take away from this. Caleb, are you trying to tell me that if I don't become a Christian, if I don't accept Christ, that I'm going to go around and become a baby killer? That's not what I'm saying today. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm trying to say is this. You know, I I can promise you this. 15 years earlier, Herod was not sitting around thinking, man, I can't wait till that day comes I get to be a baby killer. That was not running through his mind. That was not a thought that he had 15 years earlier. What I want you to understand is this. When there is sin in your life, the potential for sin in a person that doesn't know Jesus is unlimited. It's unlimited. The damage that can be created. The pain that can be caused. When we have sin in our life and we don't know Jesus, it affects not only us, but those around us. It can affect our family. It can affect our legacy. It can affect your friends. It can affect your coworkers. Some of you, maybe you're here this morning and you said, I've been through that time in my life where I've hurt people, where I've caused a lot of pain to those that are connected to me because of the actions that I took, because of the sin that was in my life. The same was true for Herod. He denied until he didn't even think he needed Jesus. Thirdly, am I experiencing peace? Thirdly in your notes, am I experiencing peace? To be honest, there are some things in the Bible that still confuse me. There are some things that I read that I still don't fully understand. This morning, I, I, I've got to tell you, I don't have all the answers. I'm not the perfect pastor. I'm not even what you would call an experienced pastor. I'm a new pastor. But there's some things that when I'm standing up here before you and I read it, that still hit me between the eyes. They still challenge me in such a way. And I've got to say, this next verse is one of those verses. 
Verse 19. Let's read that. What does it say? But when Herod died. When Herod died. Those words right there, we see Herod dies without knowing Jesus and he went straight to hell. I'm not talking about a figurative place. I'm not talking about a state of mind. He went to a real place that that God has created for Satan and his demons and those that follow him, that's where he went because he didn't know Jesus. I hear so many people, how could a loving God send King Herod to hell? How could he send someone to a place called hell? Why would he do that? He's a loving God. He's love and joy and peace. I'll tell you this, he didn't. God doesn't send someone to hell. He didn't do it. According to everything we've read, God relentlessly pursued Herod to the end of his life. Internally, the issues that he had going on should have turned him to God. It didn't. We see Jesus is born six miles away. He doesn't go. We see a supernatural star in the sky for two years. He doesn't do anything about it. People come to him and say, hey, where is the Messiah? What's going on? Can you tell me where the Savior is, the actual King of the Jews that it talks about in the Old Testament? He does nothing about it. He goes to church. He has a Bible study. He reads the Bible and it tells him everything. And he does nothing. Everything pointed to Jesus. God was merciful to him. And still, he rejects Jesus. Can I tell you this this morning? God has been merciful with you. He's been merciful with you. And if you die without Jesus, if you die without accepting his free gift, God didn't do it to you because you're here this morning. You're here. There's a reason you're here today. You heard the whole story. You have an opportunity to accept him if you've never done that. You don't have to reject him the way that King Herod rejected him. Are you missing what is right in front of you? Are you missing it the way King Herod missed it? Are you making it harder than it has to be the way King Herod made it harder than it had to be? God made it so easy and he made it difficult. Are you experiencing peace? Some of you, in just a couple minutes, you're gonna get up and you're gonna walk out of here. You're gonna climb in your car you're probably going to look at your spouse and say, man, that was not a very good Christmas message. You know what? I think you're wrong. I think it's a pretty good Christmas message. I think it's a really good Christmas message. I know it didn't give you all the warm and fuzzy. It didn't have all the joy and the bells. But it's the truth. Because Christmas is all about peace. It's all about joy and it's all about love. And we can't have any of that without Jesus. Jesus came to bring us peace. And there's nothing worse, there's nothing nothing worse than when a gift is offered to you and you refuse to receive it, especially when it can change your life. The questions are simple today. Are you missing what's right in front of you? 
Are you making this too hard? Are you delaying and denying your need for Jesus? Are you experiencing peace? If you're not, you no longer have to put your head down. You no longer have to just survive life. Jesus made a way. Jesus didn't come to this earth just to stay a baby, but he became a man and he lived a perfect life. And then he became the perfect sacrifice for your sin and mine. When was that time? When was that time where you received the gift of salvation? Has there been a time? Maybe you've been coming to church your whole life. Maybe you've been going through the motions. Maybe you grew up in church. Mom and dad always brought you. But when was that time for you? The only person that can answer that is you. When was that time where you received the gift of salvation? Don't make it too hard. When was that time? Because it changes everything. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. Not being religious, not coming to church. Jesus is the only way. Not only did he die on the cross, but he proved it three days later when he rose from the dead. He continues to fulfill what has been, what has been said. He continues to prove everything that he said about himself. When was that time for you? Would you do this this morning? Would you all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around? I just want to have a short time of invitation. When was that for you? When was that time where you accepted the free gift of salvation? God's pursuing you. He has put people in place in your life. He's put wise men and women in your life who are trying to turn you to him. Maybe you've gone through a situation. When was that time for you? Have you truly had a time where you've accepted Christ as your personal savior? If you say this morning, Caleb, I, I've gone to church my whole life and I don't remember a time. I don't remember a time where I accepted that free gift. Would you do this this morning? With nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you be willing to look up and catch my eye? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call out your name. I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't want someone else to see it. But would you look up and catch my eye? I just want to pray for you. Just say, I've never received that free gift of salvation. I've never accepted it. I'm looking around. Would you look up, catch my eye? I just want to pray for you. Maybe this morning you've been a Christian for a long time. You've accepted Christ. You know for sure that you're going to heaven. But you've reached a point in your life where your faith has gone stagnant. You know who Jesus is, but now you're starting to miss him. You're getting caught up in life and the things that are happening. We've been talking about that this series. Christians that are just surviving life when God has called us to so much more. 
Maybe this morning you're here and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going through that time in my life. I'm a Christian, I know I'm a Christian, but I feel like I'm just trying to survive life. I feel like I'm just trying to make it one day at a time. Would you do this? If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, would you pray for me? I'm going through that right now. I feel like I'm just trying to survive life. I'm trying to just make it one day at a time and I need some prayer this morning. Is there anyone like that? Dear God, we just love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for him coming to this earth, humbling himself in a way that we can never understand, to be born in a manger, a house for animals. God, we just thank you for your willingness, your your humility, your humbleness to come and do that for us. Lord, I praise you for just how you continue to work, how you continue to use us, even though we're unworthy. God, we give you all the glory and honor for everything that you've done. We thank you for your word this morning in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Discovery City Church podcast. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to help us continue to help others, you can give online at discoverycitychurch.com slash give.